Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello, and welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And uh, our topic for today is enabling INO which is infrastructure and operations for the digital future. And our guest for today is Stan Waddell, who's the CIO with the University of New Hampshire. Hey, Stan, how are you? I'm well, Sanjog. Great to be on great. board. Oh, great to, to have you here. And the reason we wanted to talk about, so this is the new year people are trying to go full steam with digital. And when you talk about it, so it's great to have that dream, but then you have to have the right foundation work along with it too. And while on, you know, people mostly talk about these latest crazy sexy tools that are available nowadays to do anything and everything, or at least they promise that. But what about the fundamental operations and the infrastructure foundation that we need in an organization? And, and, and that's where we wanted to see what's the current state. Where are we with respect to our thinking, our investments, our progress, so that we do not let digital take us down because it is a very demanding uh, computing paradigm change. Certainly, certainly. So, so, yeah. So, so to that end, what do you what what do you see happening in this regard? What do you see is being done by organizations? So, the intent is there. People want to go digital. It has a business value. Right. But is the investment going in this foundation building, or are we are trying to just kind of wing it? And I think it's a mixture of both. I, th- I think you're, you're finding organizations uh, doing exactly like what you were saying earlier um, in, in your comments, that, um, that there are a number of technologies that are sort of right on the edge uh, of between novel and, you know, um, about to be widely used that, you know, executives and uh, functional users are becoming aware of and they want to have deployed in their organizations. Um, You know, we mentioned things like uh, the Internet of Things for smart campus initiatives or smart business initiatives. Uh, We talk about robotic process automation uh, for marketing and even onboarding of employees in HR and financial functions. Um, We we think of things like, uh, you know, the the larger app-driven ecosystem that take advantage of, uh, of artificial intelligence. And what, what we as uh, technology providers are, you know, struggling with is how do you bring those things into the organization from a cost perspective? Um, how do you engage them with the systems that you currently have that haven't been designed, um, you know, for this type of integration? And then how do you keep these, uh, these technologies secure and how do you transition your current um, workforce that's you know operating on the old paradigm of you know large monolithic administrative systems to much more of an app-driven um, environment that is taking advantage of artificial intelligence and a lot of new 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 and novel technologies. Great, and we also have recently, uh, like just now, John Cobe, who's the Vice President of Information Services and Technology CIO, Technology and Chief Information Officer for Renaissance Polytechnic Institute. He's just joined us. Hey, John, how are you? Happy New Year. How's it going? 
Uh, happy New Year, and uh, sorry I'm a touch late. Uh, my IoT devices must must not be working correctly. But, uh, <laughs> uh, it's great to be must be. It's great to be with you. Oh no, good morning, John. Yes, so uh, so uh, so Stan and I just started the discussion about the current state. So, uh, would you like to give your angle on the current state of INO as you are seeing it. Are you feeling that people are going gung-ho with the idea of using digital, but they are slacking on the INO, or is it also catching up? Well, as, as usual, it's uh, not a straight line, I think. Uh, there are um, some uh, some folks that are faster out of the gate than others. Um, uh, we do see a, a, a much more of an interest in uh, you know data analytics and AI uh, to help business processes and such. And there are, are some folks uh, uh, if you if you go down the uh, tree of uh, uh, people process program, uh, there are some activities that are better. Um, uh, Adjusted in terms of the people that they have and uh, and ready to do some things in terms of looking at their processes and applying the right programmatic people place or pieces to that. But uh, then there's others that lag a little bit that uh, still need to get their workforce to a place where they can think in in that mode. So, Stan, I totally agree with with John's comment and yours that yes, it's a work in progress. Things are not going to just fall in place just immediately. Would you say? The the interest is there, the incentive is there. Then is the wall not basically the work is not getting done exactly as you would have expected because some of the business doesn't get it. That's why they are not ready to put money behind it. Or is it just the very nature of the beast that it's moving so fast, it is so new, so complex that it is tough for even IT leaders and like yourself and your team that you're struggling to get INO to that level, which is desired or required by the digital paradigm. Right. So, so if, if I guess if I jump in here, I would say that you know it, it, it's it's actually a mixture of things, and and I think that we're doing um, you know some novel things around uh, Internet of Things for Smart Campus, um, and um, and doing some novel things with our data for data driven or data informed decision making. It's it's where where we want to make that leap uh, more into the automation and artificial intelligence arenas. That uh, that there's some things that have to be done on the foundational layer that will enable that work to occur. And and I think what what you what I find when I have conversation with peers around the industry is that a lot of that work centers on how we use, store, and maintain our data, um, and that you know that that those interactions aren't always ready for the next step. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of work that has to occur on data, you know, cleanliness and data quality, so that the data truly is usable in a doesn't require any human interaction to enable, you know, things like AI to actually be functional. So, um, so basically, Stan, you just answered this question, right? And if, if, if you were to take the basis of your answer, did you have a benchmark that you were following that this is where we need to get to and towards that we are working, there's a holy grail or a blueprint defined that you're pursuing? Or... Is it like, okay, it's a little hazy there. Let's kind of navigate and see where we get. 
I think it's more of the, it's a bit hazy there, but there are some organizations. I think if you think about maybe in our arena, in the higher education arena, um, uh, Georgia State um, has been doing some work with, um, with a chatbot and a company called it MidHub. Um, and they've had some really interesting results on their summer melt. The number of students that apply for the organization get accepted the, to the organization and then drop out of the um, of the um, prospect pipeline before actually showing up for campus in the fall. And they've had some really interesting impacts on that on the amount of students that fall out of that pipeline by using a, a chatbot. And that chatbot's taking advantage of their flat data to interact with students and answer simple questions after the regular staff goes home. And I think that it's, it's those kinds of things that, um, that higher ed will make forays into early on. Uh, and, and there's many others, but because of uh, you know, the sort of notable successes that organizations like, uh, like Georgia State have had, you'll see others start to glom on into that pipeline. Uh, but in order to be able to do that, your data has to be accessible by either you know, third-party tools, and it has to be understandable by third-party tools. And um, you know, I, I don't know if you know, John's experience, uh, but here you know, we do have a data warehouse. We have um, you know, data that's fairly structured, there's still, but there's still data that live outside of that ecosystem. And some of that data is important to processes like uh, using chatbots or for doing robotic process automation for, for marketing. And we're going to have to do more to get that data clean and accessible for these tools. So, John, do you kind of take a step back alongside your business leaders and almost define a blueprint or something that you want to go after or essentially define which are the top critical areas that you must address instead of doing a broad stroke in terms of INO. What, what's your approach to this? Because there's so many things which could be changed, but which ones are should be topping the list here? Yeah, I, I think the, <clears throat> the key part of that question is uh, partnering with your business leaders. Uh, I think it's always a mistake for the, the IT function, whether it's INO or other uh, pieces of what we do, uh, to think we're smarter than the average bear, and we we understand all the business processes. Um, so working with other vice presidents, deans, and department heads and directors <clears throat> to understand what they're trying to do, uh, you know, what are their goals? Uh, what are their aspirations? How does that work? Uh, what do they want for outcomes out of uh, the data and such? I mean, we do have a data warehouse here, uh, and uh, we've been very successful with that. But data warehouses tend to be a, a little bit too more too much uh, uh, of a static uh, mechanism for today's environment. Uh, you want things that are a little bit more act, uh, dynamic, like what Stan just mentioned. Um, uh, so uh, how do you put in active components or, or whether they're um, robotic or other things that are, are uh, churning through the data late at night and uh, giving you a different result first thing in the morning type of thing? Um, I think you have to sit down with the business leaders, understand once again what they're trying to do, and then focus them on some of the data elements. I think data is really key, and there is a lot of dirty data in these things. How do you uh, fix that, and how do you look at the the stewardship that they have of their information and then build some digital processes around that that actually are going to make sense? And uh, the last thing we always want in our field is 
you know, garbage in, gospel out. Uh, so you have to understand those processes. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, Stan, the question for you will be, unlike other areas of IT even, INO is not something which you just slap on. It has to be thought properly, thought through properly. And it is not an insignificant play money kind of investment either. So anything that you do cannot just be winged. But then the data points, given that the newness, the novelty of the paradigm itself and what is coming down the pike is so different volume-wise, variety-wise, and velocity-wise, are you able to bet your paycheck on a decision you make for INO that this is going to really work well for you for the next three to five years, like we used to do traditionally? Or are you creating a magical formula which will allow you to run with an INO investment and quickly change on its head as the business and the digital environment changes. But hold your thought. We'll come back from the break. Please stay tuned, listeners, and we'll discuss this interesting area. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Stan, INO, not cheap, not easily doable, takes time. And traditionally, at least we learned, is INO investment should not be made for the short haul. Right. But do you right. have a crystal ball for you to be able to do it for the long haul? And and I think that you know again that that's a that's a that's a tough question, but but I think that the fundamentals of the way we plan infrastructure and operations is largely uh, going to remain the same. 
I think the big difference in the newer applications are that they're coming in, and many of them are designed to address a specific issue, a point issue. So they're not the big monolithic systems that we've dealt with in the past, like the ERPs uh, and you know the human capital uh, portions and finance portions of those systems. These are systems that are specifically designed to address a specific issue, in many cases for a specific business session or section or industry segment. And they tend to be a lot more self-contained than uh, the systems that we've built in the past. So I may not have a huge storage outlay that's required for one of these systems. They may um, fall right in and bolt in on top of the existing infrastructure that I have. Um, and in many cases, that, that's what we're seeing, that you know, a functional area of the business will come and say, we have this problem that we want to address, and can you as IT work with us to identify a vendor that can address that and then roll that technology into campus? And what we do is you know, we're playing much more of a role of vendor management, project management, um, portfolio management to understand the customer's needs, to look, survey the landscape and identify a technology, and then bring that technology into campus. And in, in most cases, it's working directly with our authentication systems. It's working directly with our storage system. We're building um, interfaces into the ERP and the data warehouse so that that application gets access to the data that it needs. But we're not making big changes in the way we're uh, addressing data and infrastructure on our camp campuses, at least not in these early forays into these uh, into these automation technologies that may change as as you know as time goes on and new and more novel use cases are identified but for right now they seem to be much more niche and a lot less like the big battleship organized uh, battleship software um, applications uh, that the ERPs that we've dealt with in the past so, John, when you look at your environment or the peers that you deal with or talk to, are they willing to tell the management that, hey, digital is here, but should we make that big a bet? And without that bet, we cannot move forward, so you will not have your competitive advantage. So either you will go down or you will stay in a status quo. Are you willing to do it or you want to be a brave soldier and make the bet, not knowing that in four three years you will have to shift again? Well, I mean, digital is here, so I, I think that's a that's an easy piece of this. Um, but how do you how do you get everybody else, not just your management? Uh, and I'm very fortunate here to have uh, management understands that very well. Um, but uh, all you all of your peers to understand that too. And let me just build on something that Stan just talked about. Um, you know, there's a lot of folks that are going out and getting these niche applications, and they solve a very specific uh, business need, and that's good. And we do the same thing here. But then uh, all of a sudden you find out that you needed that niche information somewhere else, and it would be really helpful if it had a better interface into uh, whether it's the ERP data warehouse or some other niche application because uh, you're not just interested in that one area, but that one area can inform other things. So, you know, in student life, for instance, we find that, the you know, we have a program that worries about uh, housing for our residential students, and we have a program that worries about incidents in the dean of students' office, and we have a program that 
worries about uh, which clubs people are involved with and so on. But every once in a while, you want to build a profile on a student where you need to uh, take information out of all those systems. And if you haven't thought about the, either the APIs or some other aspect of this more distributed environment, uh, that all of a sudden gets very complex and sometimes is not thought of uh, up front. Uh, so that's part of being digital, I think, is getting people to think about how do we share this information in appropriate uh, ways across the entire institute in uh, in manners that weren't necessarily thought of, once again, up front. So, John, what I wanted to ask you was, based on your approach that you've taken so far, are you able to see a cadence of change or cadence of innovation that you want to bring in? Uh, which yeah, is going to work we well for the business? Uh, yes, I, I think the, the the short answer to that is yes. Although what I think in the long run you want is very sustainable things. Uh, to your point about is this a three- or five-year play or is this a, a, a longer play than that? And I think it's a much longer play than three to five years. Um, but you have to you have to move a lot of things around. Once again, people process programs. Uh, so how do you change your business processes such that they're uh, using these tools in a way that really change things? And to do that, you need people that uh, are in the business units, if you will, uh, that uh, are um, in some respects more facile with this technology than some of the IT folks are. Uh, we can be enablers, but we we shouldn't be doing the business for them. And so I, I think one of the things that we've been sort of uh, talking about here and, uh, is this is a much more distributed environment, distributed out to the business units, distributed out to individual desks, uh, and so on. And how do you support uh, those people as they're going about about their business. Uh, you can't, you can't, and this goes way back, but you can't be a glass house computing anymore. You, you have to, if, if some of the, the things have moved to the edge, the services and the IT services need to move to the edge also. Right, right. So, so Stan, when you're looking at uh, specifically, let's go specific towards say cloud. I'm assuming some form of cloud may have been adopted in your organization. Sure. And and the the world says go the hybrid route versus all the way to uh, public or, or private. So the problem, what we, at least I have heard talking to many leaders is they get stuck in which are the right candidates. Is it that obvious for any organization to just find the right candidate, especially because in the real world of digital or rather the utopic world of digital, we should not have anything on-prem. But you have to go step by step, but which one to take first so that your foundation, the INO foundation becomes most conducive to digital. How are you, what's your formula? So, you know, here, here at UNH, you know, we are largely uh, looking at um, systems. So, so maybe it's, it's, it's more of this, right? Um, we want to understand the fundamentals of the application and how that lines up with the business needs um, as defined by the business unit. So I think John's spot on that this is no longer a question of uh, technology, you know, sort of, uh, you know, riding uh, roughshod over the business and um, pushing down technology recommendations that have to be um, adopted. As we're saying, it's much, much more of a partnership, and it has been for a few, you know, for a few years now. I think that we're trying to understand what the business needs are, 
and then we're trying to pick the right technology for the business needs in conjunction with the business stakeholders, the functional stakeholders. And so here, um, when, we're, when we're trying to address an issue, we go through an exhaustive process to get business requirements outlined and then to try to match that with a technology. And then part of what we're looking at is, okay, what are the fundamentals and the, the functional fundamentals and the financial fundamentals of going cloud versus hosting here on-prem or some hybrid. And in many cases, that becomes, it becomes fairly evident what type of arrangement you want based on the, uh, the functional needs of the business and then the financial realities of hosting it one way or another. Uh, we went through um, a situation um, here where we were, we were um, again, addressing a need for the business. We started down the cloud route. And then fairly quickly into that process, we recognized that the cloud application wasn't going to yield the functionality that the business needed. And we moved away from cloud and went to hosted. And we've had situations where it was just a no-brainer to go cloud because the functionality that the cloud provider was going to be able to offer us and the capability they could be able to offer us was going to far outstrip what we could do locally from a performance and from a cost uh, performance standpoint. And so I think it is a matter of having a, bru a rubric that's based on the needs uh, of, the, of, the, uh, of the problem you're trying to solve and the cost uh, and performance of that technology over time using you know, sound fundamental financial analysis. So John, the needs we have today or the organization we are? Should that determine what we do with INO or given the digital future that we are going to all be living with, rather digital is now versus in the future, should we be looking at what we can become and make that the determination or make that the basis of what implementation of, for example, we are starting with cloud as one of the legs, if you will, of the INO what that should be like. Should we do a requirements analysis for a problem we have today versus looking beyond that? Well, uh, I think you always want to look down the road in terms of uh, what you'd like to, uh, to do next, what you'd like to become, and uh, how uh, digital can help you do that. Although I, I guess I'm a little bit of old school that if you don't understand the current state, it's hard to talk about a future state. Um, and uh, I do like to uh, talk with business leaders who can really describe to me what their current state is and what they'd like the future state to be, and then we can uh, work together to, to, to move to something. Um, and whether that's cloud or not cloud, I think Stan was right on the mark here. And, you know, you, you need to understand costs, function, performance, and, uh, and there's no, um, I think there's no straightforward formula for doing that. Uh, but you, you analyze that in a broader context of what you're uh, trying to, to do. I, I, I think the other thing that we're talking about here um, is we're really moving some things up the stack. And, and I know you're focused on infrastructure and operations, and, and that's a, an important uh, basis, whether it's cloud or on-prem or hybrid. Um, but a lot of our services are moving up the stack in terms of helping individuals with how the information is used in their business or how the 
the application, whether it's a, a broad application like a, an ERP or a more niche uh, application like we've, we've discussed, how those are going to work and then how they fit into the overall scheme of things. Um, I think earlier we mentioned a little bit about vendor management and so on. Uh, my CISO spends a fair amount of time with our procurement group uh, to make sure that we are meeting uh, some of the uh, not only cybersecurity pieces, but uh, compatibility and compliance issues uh, that we have as uh, uh, as an organization, and that's you know that's part of our uh, you know infrastructure and operations also. Um, so as as we go forward, to your point about going to the future, uh, we do have to look at some things that are maybe more mundane, but pretty important in terms of how we support those future applications. So, Stan, as uh, John mentioned about, you know, be careful. And, and when you use the word, uh, John, that old school, that actually is being prudent that we just don't lose our shirt in the process. That I agree. What, what I'd like to ask is that while the, the, there, is a, there is a set of people out there who just want to be the cowboys, who want to take the latest and greatest of digital and apply those things. With INO, we cannot afford to do that. I agree. At the same time, we cannot wait till the the things suddenly you know accelerate, and INO related investments are lagging. That's an opportunity cost. Sky is not going to fall. We will not close our shop, but we will lose the opportunity. So, are we being okay. progressive in that regard? So, Stan, what would a progressive leader in technology who will rally the troops from business side do in context of INO to be relevant for the digital future? A very concise question I'm asking you. Yeah, no, and, and, and I think, um, you know, I can, I can speak to what we've been trying to accomplish. And so we've been taking a really, uh, you know, hard look at things that we've been doing forever um, that may not make sense to continue doing. So, you know, part of what we want to do is to make sure that the, the technologies that we're providing and investing in are relevant for today and will be relevant for tomorrow and haven't been superseded by some better uh, process or can be provided um, better or more cost-effective from an external vendor. Um, and so we've made some decisions to move away from some technologies and some processes, and we've eliminated some, um, some redundancies that we found in the process, and that's freeing up uh, financial resources to be able to make additional investments in uh, newer novel technologies. And I think that that's part of, part of what an INO organization has to do. And I also think that we have to make the same kinds of investments in our um, staff that we've got to look at where our skill sets are today and then see what skill sets we have to introduce into our technology um, you know, organizations from a people perspective and, uh, and train people up on how to engage in vendor management, how to do um, security reviews from a contract perspective, um, how to do more project and portfolio management, how to gather requirements from, uh, you know, from our functional areas to identify problems and then identify solutions. And I think you're, go you're going to see all three of, that, uh, of the, the aspects that, that John talked about early in, um, in, in INO, people process, um, and, uh, and, and, and plant um, being impacted by how we want to proceed from a digital perspective. 
so what I wanted to do is to take a quick break and come back and discuss edge computing with you, John, because you mentioned IoT when you joined the show. And would like to see whether you're joining, you're using edge computing or not. And on the other hand, if you, if the organizations which are using IoT and are trying to go after the edge computing, do they really have the clarity, the standardization, and are they well on their way to the successful adoption? Where are the gaps? Where are the challenges? So please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, John, edge computing, which essentially should become the basis of IoT adoption. And a lot of companies, especially who are going the industrial IoT, they are looking at edge computing. But how much of this is truly happening in the way it it should, which is in terms of people having the clarity on how it should be adopted, what are the standards, is there a standard, and and what are the challenges people are facing uh, in terms of adopting edge computing so that they could, again, uh, make best use of this new IoT-related technology? Well, you know, I, I think for right now, uh, we uh, look at where it makes sense and where we want to just uh, wait a bit. So in uh, some of our uh, administrative areas, um, uh, I don't see as much uh, activity in this area. But certainly in our research, uh, we're doing quite a bit in uh, IoT, edge computing, and so on. Um, and, and there's a place where we we clearly want to be on the bleeding edge and how do we do some things that are interesting but really push the technologies, not only the IoT technologies themselves, but also the, all the infrastructure that supports that. And let me give you a quick example. Um, 
we're working on a project um, called the Jefferson Project at Lake George. Uh, lake George is a, a lake uh, about uh, uh, 30 miles north of our campus uh, in the start of the Adirondack Mountains. Uh, is about a 36-mile long lake uh, that uh, Thomas Jefferson once uh, said was the the prettiest lake, uh, most clear water that he'd ever seen, which is why we call it the Jefferson Project. And we have put <clears throat> all sorts of intelligent sensors uh, in place on the lake to look at uh, clarity of water, uh, chemical makeup of, of things from the watershed, uh, looking at weather patterns, both wind and precipitation, uh, and <clears throat> uh, also water flows. And we actually have built models now of that lake where we can track what's going on uh, from particles in the water to food chains and start to make some predictive uh, um, analysis uh, pieces that are useful for uh, government agencies and others in terms of managing the lake. Uh, we've we've brought the supercomputer into this. And we've done some visualization here. It's all a pretty cool project. Uh, but to do that, we had to have some infrastructure and networking uh, and other things in terms of handling the data that we're getting from all these sensors. Um, and then how do you model all that? Um, there's, a, there's actually a, a, a URL on that if uh, people want to look at Jefferson Project at Lake George. Uh, but you know, there's an example where we really did want to push the envelope, and uh, we are working with IBM on that project, and uh, we've termed it the world's smartest lake, given given all the sensor uh, sensors that are in that lake. So that that project is cool, and when you started putting uh, the funds in and the the technology in, you had the wherewithal to do it. But then a lot of companies who are looking to adopt IoT, they may not get the huge grants with which such projects like the one which you're running may get. What do you think is a good approach to people even attempting edge computing where things are not as clear, if you will? I'm not sure if, 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 if people have a playbook on edge computing yet. Well, they, they, they probably don't because it is evolving, as Stan said. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure <laughs> we had a huge set of funds. And uh, and we, we did have some scientific curiosity about what we wanted to uh, look at. And, um, and what's really neat about the project is it's helped to inform that, uh, uh, some of the, the hypotheses that were in place early on, both positively and negatively. Um, it turns out, for instance, road salt was <clears throat> one of the things that people wanted to look at with some clarity up front. Uh, how is that affecting the lake? Um, and it turns out, and this is a much longer conversation, but it turns out in some respects it's affecting the watershed more than it's affecting the lake itself. And that then uh, diverts some attention and so on. So to answer your question on how to get started, well, you ought to have some ideas on some things that you'd like to do. In this case, we're looking at a lake and trying to understand the water in the lake. But uh, with any project, you want to understand what do you want to measure. And as you're starting to measure that, particularly with edge computing, making sure that the computing is close to where you're measuring things. And then that measurement actually is informing what you want to do either from a business perspective or a scientific perspective or something else. So traditionally, Stan, we used to look at INO as a cost. And to some extent, it is kind of foundational. So yes, it, it can be considered as a cost partially. But if 
if that is becoming the very basis or rather cost of doing business for digital, then are we looking at anything that we do, whether new investments or uh, in technologies or maybe we do automation? Are we looking at that yet again as an efficiency play or are we starting to look at INO as an area of innovation which will yield you direct ROI? So, you know, I, I think it, it really comes down to the partnership, and I still think that people will continue to view um, infrastructure and operations um, as, you know, largely a cost of doing business. Um, I think people are recognizing that while, yes, um, you know, I, I think INO uh, suffers from what, what I call the light, switch, um, the light switch paradigm. When you walk into a room, and you turn on the light switch, it just better work, right? There, there's, there's no excuse that, 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 that the light switch doesn't turn on. And I find that people have found the, the same kinds of levels of reliability in the INO space. The network just works. Uh, I can get to my files um, in, in storage, whether they're cloud-based or hosted locally. Um, and, uh, and all of the underpinnings that support the other applications that I use just have to be there. And so it's it's much more out of mind and out of sight than up and up front and personal like um, email or like the ERP system or like some of the niche applications that we've talked about. And I think that that will continue to be the to be the paradigm for INO. But there is a understanding that those underpinnings have to be there and that they have to work. So they're important and they're worthy of investment. I think uh, to your earlier point, though, I think that we will be driven um, both by the business and by you know I, uh, ourselves as IT leaders to find efficiencies in how we deliver infrastructure and operation, because it isn't the direct business differentiator that some of the other technologies are, and so if we can get those things done more effectively and more efficiently, and yield cost savings that can be in turn reinvested in the more novel and more differentiating technologies. I think it's our responsibility to do that. So as the CIO, I'm sure you would have your lieutenants who you may have positioned in leading the INO space. Mm -hmm. What's your performance appraisal looking like? Is it that they are measured on keeping the lights on consistently and it's a steady state or they make waves by creating capability from the same INO so that your business can go out and experiment and create new capabilities for better, you know, customer satisfaction or whatever else that digital can be used for. Because whatever you measure a leader or a manager on is where they will focus. And that's where right. the results will come. So what's your performance appraisal looking like? <laughs> So, you know, I think we're, we're a little bit different in that, um, you know, our, first we look at the overall goals and mission of the university. And so, you know, we've got to be pulling in that same direction. So we actually start to see where the universe, how the university is meeting its goals. And then from there we branch out into probably three major areas. One is uptime. Uh, the other is, um, is engagement with projects. Um, and, and those those are probably our big, the ones that I that I hold my leaders to uh, most most uh, most stringently is you know how are we doing with uptime and how are we delivering on major projects. So you know this past year we had several key system projects that were heavily dependent on infrastructure and operations, 
And that group rose to those challenges, even though there was a lot of uh, resource contingent in regards to people um, and available resources, and met or exceeded my expectations around project delivery. But those are the things that are, you know, probably most impactful on the organization. It's are we delivering a service that's reliable? And as new things are being uh, asked for, are we, um, you know, effectively engaging in those projects and helping deliver on those new things? Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let us look at things like I spoke about automation, but then the next you know, what I call as a wave is for RPA, robotic process automation, or even intelligent automation. And and that could, like in many business areas like finance, could also do great things for INO. But then what is the kind of groundwork you will need to have in place for INO to really be able to benefit from RPA? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. And John, this is a question for you when we come back. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management and Document Sharing Solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, John, let's talk RPA, which essentially could create good returns for organizations who can make best use of it or adopt it. But it requires some groundwork, some process changes, some mindset changes, some removal of fear of people getting replaced. And INO is no different. What do you think is required for us to be able to successfully utilize RPA within INO? Well, I, I think there's a lot of promise here, uh, although it's early. Uh, so I think we um, have to be careful. I I, uh, I think uh, several things that Stan just talked about before the break I thought were interesting about the, the light switch and uh, the electricity, and you, you just expect it. And that is what uh, people ex- expect from uh, INO. 
and uh, you know, I, I term it here a little different that we're we're the kind of the ninjas in the night that make things work, and uh, people don't always uh, watch the sausage being made, but appreciate the fact that they have uh, the uh, automation tools in place, like the light switch. Um, uh, something else that Stan talked about and just briefly was sunsetting, um, and that's always interesting to try to figure out what things that you can sunset across uh, any enterprise. Um, and sometimes you have to be a forcing function, and I think our RPA may help be a forcing function for sunsetting, which may or may not be a cost uh, efficiency issue, but may help uh, in terms of improving some business pieces. Um, I would go back to some of the other things that we talked about uh, in, uh, during this, this session, that uh, paying attention to the data is really important before you get to the, you know, the, the RPA side of things, because you can lose sight of uh, what the problems are you're trying to solve and whether you actually have uh, the raw ingredients to be able to, and solve, that, to solve that. Understanding the ontologies and so on of the data and where that's going and keeping IT as an enablement uh, piece in this whole thing, but being driven by uh, some business need, I think is a uh, piece of this. We haven't done necessarily uh, a lot here in our production level pieces. We've done, once again, a fair amount of work on this uh, in our research, and we have some really great folks in uh, Semantic Web and uh, some of the uh, AI side of things that uh, we're now starting to introduce to the, the business side of what we do here. Um, but it's, it's, once again, early. So, so if I could piggyback on to that, uh, you know, I, I definitely agree. I, I think that, you know, first we'll, we'll come at this from a cost-cutting, uh, efficiency-gaining perspective. But I think very quickly RPA will shift and, and a lot of the AI use cases will shift towards um, revenue maximization because you'll be able to take a look at the data that your organization generates. And we generate a lot of data, and we'll start to generate more and more as edge computing and IoT are realized and I think that, you know, in, in higher ed and in retail and in manufacturing, being able to see what conditions are most conducive to maximizing productivity or maximizing customer engagement or even maximizing profit for, you know, for bit per visit are going to be, become very, very visible in the data. So as we become much better at crunching that data and having ro robotic process engagement with that data to understand trend and, trends and highlight trends, it will be used to maximize um, you know, uh, revenue or maximize profit or maximize user engagement, customer engagement in organizations that aren't revenue-driven. So yeah, can, I, go can ahead. I pick up? On something there uh, that Stan said, that middle piece about customer engagement, um, in general, I think in most of our uh, universities, customer engagement has been a siloed type of uh, activity. Um, you know, we, we uh, look at your engagement as a prospective student or as an active student or as an alum or, or some other uh, role. Uh, we don't always take a, a broader across the board, uh, you know, if you will, cradle to grave type of, of view of you. And now that you're an alum, you know, how can we offer you um, some online program uh, programs or education, those sorts of things, and what do we know about you as a student in terms of how that could help you as an alum and so on. 
And that's going to take a broader view of these processes, which gets back to your point before about looking at just the current processes versus the future processes. And I think RPA could help in that. And it will help in the customer engagement, if you will, because we look at the customer in in a more broad sense. So, Stan, let's talk about security. One of the last questions is because, and it's just last, but it's not the least important. It's actually one of the most important. When we're going digital and you're talking INO, you simply cannot afford to have disruptions. And security is the leading cause of disruption for many. What's your secret recipe to keep your INO alive, no matter what? (laughs) So... (laughs) Great question. The, you know, the, but I will tell you, I, I do tend to rely very heavily on defense in depth. You know, I, I was an information security officer before I was a CTO and a CIO, and part of what you know I always wanted to you know try to uh, practice was multiple layers of security. And I think as you see, you know, things like RPA and uh, edge computing uh, and greater uh, adoption of cloud and software as a service, uh, you know, start to, you know, play into how we do business, that's going to increase our risk. It's not going to reduce our risk. It's going to increase it because there will be many more access points and avenues towards our data um, and many more places where humans will be interacting with data along with processes that require authentication, um, that require, um, you know, unfettered access maybe even from the Internet, um, and those are other surfaces that, you know, that the bad guys can take advantage of. And so, you know, as we introduce more ways to access data, I think we're going to have to become much, much smarter in maybe even uh, maybe um, artificial intelligence and RPA actually play a bigger role in security as well, although, you know, we really aren't there, uh, at least not locally. But I think there's an opportunity for, for those, for for you know, AI and, and RPA to actually uh, impact and address security as well. But we've got to do, um, we've got to be very vigilant in regards to how we patch our systems, how we understand where the vulnerabilities are in our systems and address them. We've got to become better at um, negotiating contracts and building in, building in the right protections for our organizations when bad things happen and hold our vendor partners' feet to the fire to do the things that they say they're going to do around security. We need to see what they, what they say and then make sure that they actually do it. And, you know, and it's got to move away from being the information security officer's responsibility for providing security for data and for an organization to really being everyone involved in the cybersecurity approach and understanding where the risks are, are and to do everything that they can not to be a vector uh, for an attack, such as falling victim to phishing and having passwords compromised. Um, and there's definitely an opportunity to impact even that as we move away from passwords and more towards uh, multi-factor authentication. Um, I, th- I think the password is the worst security device, and it's my own humble opinion, uh, but is the worst security device that we can rely on, and we have to, I think, move away from that. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thanks so much, uh, Stan and John, for sharing your thoughts regarding how organizations can take a fresh look, if not fundamentally different look, but still a fresher look at INO and see how it can be optimized to make it most conducive to support the digital future ahead. So thanks so much again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you.
Thank you. And I hope, uh, listeners, you got some nuggets out of it. I did for sure. Please like us on Facebook, search for us on Twitter, and follow us on LinkedIn uh, and join our LinkedIn community. And please listen to us and rate us on iTunes, TuneIn, iHeart, Stitcher, you name it. We are on all syndication platforms. So thank you again. A happy new year to all of you. And thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.